Well, today's scripture reading comes from the gospel according to Mark, chapter 1, verses 14 through 15. We're going to read this in the ESV. There are ESV Bibles in the back if you want to grab one, uh, or feel free to follow along in your own Bible. Uh, We encourage folks, especially at home, because I know if you're seeing this on a screen, it might be really hard to read the scripture uh, on on your phone. Uh, So, yeah, feel free to to look it up on your own. Uh, But we will project it. Uh, We will project it behind us as well. Uh, So again, it's Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 15. Um, Please stand as able for the reading of God's word. If you're joining us from home, feel free to do that if you feel comfortable, but for those joining us in person. So may the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Well, friends, uh, I've been sharing that uh, throughout the summer, I've been sharing messages about things that I need to be reminded of, things that Pastor Steve needs to be reminded of, that maybe are messages that, you know, sometimes you're just kind of like, oh, I know that. But I need to hear it again, like in my soul, in my heart. And as we're getting ready for a new school year, I thought that we would kind of pivot to um, what, what are the, the things that kind of like are, are the clarifying uh, themes for LGM? You know, I, I, I've been sharing this that I'm entering my 20th year at LGM. I came here in 2004. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of a, a pretty incredible journey. You know, and, and like we mentioned, we're, we're getting ready to move to a new building, new time, and all of that. Um, but as we do that, I, I want to remember, you know, w- w- what is it that really, at least for me, are the things that, that I try to keep in mind a- a- as I serve? Because I, I just feel like sometimes, you know, like, like if you've been in a ministry like 19 years plus, you know, it, it, maybe it might be tempting to just kind of like, like you, you just kind of forget, you know, uh, uh, how this whole thing started or why you're doing it, you know, and man, I don't want that for me. And so I try to remember, you know, what is it that we're about? And so last week we, we talked about this idea that I want people to be disciples of Jesus for life. That's one of the things I think about, not just for a season, not just what, while you're in college or, you know, just for a few years. But I'm trying to look at the big picture. I want you to follow Jesus till you go to be with Jesus, <laughs> right? After this life is over, you know? And, and then today's message is another kind of clarifying thing uh, that I need to be reminded of. And so I wanted to share this with you. But I just want to say that it's something that we share often. And so I just want to uh, uh, just kind of encourage some of the LGM old timers, <laughs> some of the people who've been around for years that it might be tempting to just be like, oh, I've heard this before. I've heard Pastor Steve preach on this before. But I know for me, man, I need to hear it again. And so, you know, again, when we're talking about what are the things that really guide our ministry, what are the things that should guide any ministry? You got to look at the Bible, right? And for me, you know, thinking about the Bible, like, again, Bible's really long. There's a lot in it, right? And one of the dangers, I think, that has happened in the church throughout the centuries is that when people kind of pick and choose from the Bible, you know, certain things to emphasize, well, what are you picking and choosing? That's the question, right? And for me, as a uh, minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I want to know 
what Jesus' gospel is. I want to know what Jesus' central message is. And so that's what I want to share with you today. Friends, if you, if you had to answer that right now, you know, if I were to have you turn to the person next to you and in your own words say what you think Jesus' central message was, what would you say? What would that be? You guys want to do that? We don't have to do that. But I want you to imagine that you were going to do it, right? What would you say, right? I have to say that probably um, years ago, I probably would have said something like this, that Jesus came to die for our sins, right? Uh, and if we believe in him, that we won't, you know, perish, but we will live everlasting life with God. And that is clearly in scripture, right? We got John 3, 16, you know, for sure, right? But is that Jesus' central message? Is that the main thing? And so for me, friends, I, I have to say that um, one of the things that, that I've been doing, um, one of the things that uh, is one of kind of my spiritual disciplines is I try to listen, uh, like, because I, I, I listen a lot to, like, like audiobooks and uh, so, you know, for me, um, when I'm walking or when I'm in the car or doing dishes, things like that, I try to listen to the Gospels, and I try to listen to it from beginning to end, right? And, and, and you know, I'll just go, you know, Matthew, you know, 1 to 28, and then I'll do Mark, and then I'll do Luke, and then I'll do John, and then I'll start over, right? Because what I don't want to do is just kind of pick and choose, right? Just certain things that, because usually what ends up happening is that instead of us really getting the message of God, what ends up happening is that we reinforce what we already believe, right? So we already believe things. There's already things that are important to us. And, and what we tend to do is we just highlight the things that we want to hear, right? And so what I want is to get Jesus's message. And by the way, you know, I, I don't think it's all bad, but I think the church through the years, maybe, maybe, Friends, you can agree or disagree with me, but this is kind of my perspective. Maybe there's certain things that the church is emphasizing that maybe Jesus didn't emphasize as much, right? And maybe there are certain things that Jesus emphasized all the time that maybe we have lost. And so, friends, I want to share with you what I think Jesus' central message is. And just so you know that uh, a lot of uh, my thoughts on this have been informed by uh, some of the teachings of like N.T. Wright and Dallas Willard, just to name a few. Um, and so I, I just kind of want to think like, okay, thematically, when you read the Gospels, what are the, the, the major themes? So I just thought I would, you know, throw out some words that, you know, probably a lot of us would think are central themes, right, of the Gospels. And by the way, if you've been in, in LGM for many years, you've seen me do this before, right? But hey, grace, that's a big one, right? I mean, we're called Living Grace Ministry. And by the way, I think grace is really important, right? Because we named our ministry Living Grace Ministry. But is grace the central message of Jesus' gospels? Is it love? Is it faith? Now, there's one word here that's like kind of a little different than the other one. So you can probably guess that it's going to be the fourth one, kingdom. <laughs> and if you've been to LGM, you know that that's the right answer. But I want to emphasize to you that this is not just Pastor Steve making this up. Right? This isn't just me picking and choosing, right? And so what I did was, um, and, and uh, what I'm going to do uh, is, so, so this is going to sound kind of weird, but what I did was I looked up in the Bible, right, Bible Gateway, how many verses do these words appear in? 
not how many times the words appear, right? Uh, the reason why is because I want you to check my math, right? You can go to the Bible Gateway and do the exact same thing, right? But if I did words, right, sometimes the word kingdom will appear several times in one verse, right? So then you're going to be like, well, I don't know how many times the word appears, right? So I did it by verse so you can check my math, okay? And so how many times does the word grace appear in, in verses in the Bible, right? How many times does love? How many times does faith? How many times does kingdom? And so I've already told you, kingdom is the central message of Jesus. But how central? <laughs> all right, so these are the numbers, guys. Grace appears in only three verses. They're all in the Gospel of John. The, grace, the word grace appears four times in three verses in the Gospel of John. That's it, right? Now, by the way, I already told you, grace is really important. Next week's sermon is going to all be about grace. So I think it's super important. It appears way more in Paul's epistles, right? And by the way, part of the reason is because that's one of Paul's greetings, right? Grace and peace to you and Christ Jesus, right? And so the word grace appears a lot with Paul, but in the Gospels, only three times. And in three of the Gospels, not at all, right? Love, which is a very general term. It's not just love, like love God. It can be like love money, right? It's just a word we use all the time. Appears 76 in 76 verses. That's a lot. That's a lot of verses. Faith, I mean, that's a lot of verses, 60. But kingdom is double that. 120 verses have the word kingdom in it. And so what I, was, what I wanted to show you was, I mean, you know, you just see these numbers, right? But for emphasis, if you were consistently following Jesus, what would pop out at you, right? And Jesus is teaching, and he says a lot of things. And instead of us just picking and choosing, we're like, well, I really like the grace message. But what is Jesus repeating again and again and again? And for emphasis, what I did was I made each one of these words the font size. So I took grace and gave it a font of three, and love, 76, faith, 60, just to show you emphasis. And this is what it looks like. Friends, come on, right? I'm not making this up. What is Jesus' central message? It's just, it, it, it literally pops out at you, right? If you read all the Gospels, you cannot deny that his central message is about the kingdom of God, or in, in Matthew's Gospel, the kingdom of the heavens, right? And grace, poor grace, we can't even see grace, right? It's so small, but don't worry, it's there. And, and a lot of you might be saying, yeah, but Pastor Steve, even if he doesn't use the word grace, grace, you know, comes out in Jesus' actions. I completely agree. That's why we're called living grace ministry, right? But we cannot deny that Jesus' central message is about the kingdom. And friends, by the way, we saw this. This is Mark chapter 1. This is the first message we hear from Jesus in the Gospel of John. And so this is what it says. Now, after John was arrested, John the Baptist, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. What is that? The good news, the good news of God. And saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel, right? So this is Jesus' central message. The kingdom of God is at hand. What are we talking about here? So friends, First of all, I want to explain what a gospel is. I know it's become super religious, right? And so we have a different meaning now for gospel, I think, or a different usage than it had back then. Gospel literally means good news, euangelion, right? And so what, oftentimes in the ancient world, right, there wasn't the internet, there wasn't newspaper, there wasn't radio, right? So how would you get important world news? 
How about something that's like life-altering, world-changing news? You would have to have someone tell you, right? You would have to have uh, a, 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 an evangelist, right? You see that word, evangelist? Euangelion, evangelion, right? That's where the, the word comes from, right? A bringer of good news. And so, for instance, let's say, you know, back in the day, so this was, you know, uh, decades before Jesus was born. There's this guy, Octavius. He's the adopted son of Julius Caesar. And after Julius Caesar dies, uh, the Roman Empire is thrown into chaos. And, and these different generals and people are all fighting for control of the Roman Empire. But Octavius wins, right? Now, how do you tell people this? Hey, now your supreme leader, and Octavius is like, hey, I'm now Augustus Caesar, right? Augustus Caesar is now your king, right? And, and just the world is different. You would send these evangelists, these bringers of this good news, and they would go to all the corners of the Roman world, and they would go into a town, and they would say, I have good news, gospel, right? I have good news. Now you have a new emperor. The world is different, right? And so, friends, this is what is being invoked here, right? You remember John the Baptist, by the way, if you look in Matthew, right? What was John the Baptist's message? You guys know? It's exactly the same. It was the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe, right? John the Baptist, same thing. He was a herald for Jesus, right? But here we see the time is fulfilled, right? The time is now. That's what it's saying. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, by the way, what are we talking about here? We are saying, right, just like before with Romans, they would hear, um, you know, the good news. You have a new king. That's exactly what's happening here. You have a new king. It's God. <laughs> it's Jesus. Jesus is your king, right? Now, by the way, the kingdom of God is not something that was brand new, especially the people of Israel, right? I mean, they would have believed that, you know, God was their true king, right? Not David, not Solomon. Their true king was God, right? So that's not brand new information. So what is so like, like radical about this. What's radical is two words that I'm not really sure why we do this, I, why the ESV translation, by the way, I, I love the ESV, it's my favorite translation, but sometimes I get a little frustrated because they make things that were very clear in the scripture and they make them obtuse, they make them not clear. I, I, I don't know why they do that. Maybe because it just was too radical, right? But what it says here, the kingdom of God is at hand. Like, what, what does that mean? Well, by the way, where's my hands? If the kingdom of God is at hand, where is it? Is it up in the clouds? Is it up in heaven? Right? Does it appear after I die? No, my hand is right here, friends. The kingdom of God is here. Right? In the Greek, it says the kingdom of God has arrived. That's what's radical. That's new. Right? The kingdom of God, you know, people thought this is coming at a later date. And by the way, most people thought it was like a political kingdom. Right? They thought they, they were going to overthrow the Romans, right? But even if you did think, like, okay, God is going to be king. Yeah, that's coming at a later date. Yeah, 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 we believe that, John. We believe in the kingdom of God. He's like, no, no, no. I'm here to tell you something different. It's a differently shaped universe now. 
because the kingdom of God has arrived in Jesus. The time is fulfilled. It is now. And that's radical. That's radical. It's different, right? So now God is your king. Not Augustus Caesar, right? Not, not, not anyone else, right? But your ruler is supposed to be God. What does that mean? Well, friends, it means that life is different and it looks different. But for the people of Israel, they probably thought it meant power, right? That God was going to come and, and, you know, there'd be like the Messiah, right? And overthrow the governments. And now the people of Israel, we're going to rise up in power and we're going to be now over the Romans, right? But that was not Jesus's gospel. We know this, right? Jesus's gospel was completely different. He flipped everything on its head. So here you're going to see a little kind of permutation of what this looks like. So this is Jesus's most famous sermon, right? The Sermon on the Mount. And one of the first things he says, what does he say? Blessed or happy, Makarios, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of the heavens. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of the heavens. We've heard this so many times, it's lost all meaning. But friends, let me tell you, this is so radical. First of all, if, if we properly understand this, does anyone actually believe this? Who are the poor in spirit? Well, let's contrast. Who are the rich in spirit? <laughs> Who are the rich in spirit? Pastors. <laughs> the religious scholars. The Pharisees. The most spiritual in that society. The people who were at the head of the synagogues, who had memorized all the scripture, right? Who seemed to be doing all the right things. They're rich in spirit, right? They're spiritually rich. Who are the poor in spirit? These sinners, prostitutes, tax collectors, these uneducated people, fishermen, poor people, right? I mean, this is not like, like, if you think about it, right? Even today, I don't even know if Christians believe this. Because the way we act is we're like, no, you have to get your life in order. Everything needs to be like completely just tip top for you to enter into, you know, spiritual blessedness. It's not what Jesus is saying. You're already blessed. The poor in spirit are blessed. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And here you see Jesus. He's this humble guy. He's going around. He's not grabbing power. Instead, he's giving it up. Right? He's surrendering power. And instead of like, like, like the disciples, what they wanted, right? They wanted to be rulers. They're like, hey, you know, Jesus, when you come in power, we want to be, you know, the first in command and then the second in command. We want to have power. And he's like, you have no idea what you're talking about. It's not that kind of kingdom. I've come to serve. And he gets down on his knees, and like a servant, he strips down, and he starts washing their feet. So different. And by the way, when the Roman authorities, when the power came for him, the worldly power, what did Jesus do? He's like, hey, you can do me, with me what you want, but just know <laughs> this is all according to the plan. God is in control. You think you're in control, but you're not. You're not. Jesus knew. He was not worried. He was not anxious. He told us that. 
He lived a completely different way of life, right? And so, friends, I don't know about you, but, you know, when you think about this, right? Uh, by the way, why didn't God just speak this from the heavens, right? I mean, every now and then, right? God would just speak directly to someone, or you'd hear, like, like thunder, and then, you know, this is my son whom I love. Why didn't he just be like, the kingdom of God has arrived? Why didn't he do that? And why wasn't John the Baptist enough? I already told you, John the Baptist's message, exactly the same, right? But it wasn't enough. What God desired was for us to actually see this kingdom in action. Not a kingdom of power, not a kingdom of authority, not even a kingdom of glory in the way we normally think of it, but a kingdom of love, a kingdom of humility, right? And we saw it in Jesus. Yes, he could have spoke the message from the heavens, but instead he sent the ultimate messenger, his son, right? So God, in human form, to actually show us what this life looks like, right? And so, friends, you know, I, I think there are many times where we hear messages like this, you know, but how do we get this message into us? Because this is really what Jesus wanted. Again, this is another passage I get really frustrated with. By the way, the ones that, that, that like, like I've been pointing out to you, if you want to check my math on this or check my, <laughs> my, my, my Greek or whatever, if you look in your Bible and when it says that the kingdom of God is at hand, you'll see that there'll be a footnote, right? And then in the footnote, it'll say, or this, the kingdom of God has arrived, right? Um, and so basically what that is, is the ESV acknowledging, we did not translate this literally, right? We're giving you kind of like, you know, our words for it, but literally this is what the Greek says. It literally means the kingdom of God has arrived, right? And there's another uh, place where this happens. This is John 17, 20 through 21. So again, Jesus was talking about the kingdom so much, right, that the Pharisees were like, okay, give us more deets, man. So being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor would they say, look, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Again, what in the world does that mean? ESV translators, what are you doing? They're making it obtuse. They're making it mysterious. But it was not. The Greek is very simple. Again, look at your footnote. What does it say? It says, the kingdom of God is within you. Literally, what it means is the kingdom of God is inside of you. I just have a suspicion that they're like, oh, it just sounds like too, like, you know, touchy-feely or something. You know, so they, they made it sound like mysterious, in the midst of you, right? Mist. <laughs> but not, that's not what it says. It says the kingdom of God is inside of you. Friends, we are so concerned. I think the church has been so concerned about getting into heaven. But you know what Jesus was concerned about? Getting heaven into you. That's what we was concerned about. Right? What would it look like if God truly was your king and you knew that? You knew that God was in control of the universe. Right? Jesus talks about this, that you don't need to be anxious right? because you would know that God would take care of you. Right? You wouldn't need to be worried. You wouldn't need to walk through life trembling like, ah, ah, ah. You, you would just know. You'd have this quiet confidence like, I know there's a father. He's real and he loves me. 
so I have nothing to worry about. And that can't just be up here. That's got to be within you, in every fiber of your being. One of the stories I love to tell about Jesus and his character was you remember when um, Jesus was with the disciples on that boat and just the storm started raging. It's just a small fishing boat, right? The storm's raging and Jesus is sleeping while the storm is raging. You guys remember that? So what would you do if there's a storm? And like, I mean, you're just like, oh my gosh, you can feel the deck rattling and the water is pouring in. And you're just like, ah, ah, and Jesus is sleeping. He's sleeping. And he's like, hey, what's all the commotion? Hey, pipe down. And then it's different. Jesus lived differently, right? He knew in every fiber of his being that his father was in control. And he lived that. Friends, brothers and sisters, don't you want that? I want that. I've shared many times before, I've had so many battles with mental illness, panic attacks, anxiety, right? One of the marks of the kingdom of God, as Dallas Willard teaches, is no anxiety. And it doesn't mean that you just do that by willpower, but we need to get the kingdom reality within us. We need to know this, right? And friends, by the way, the way that Jesus did this, it wasn't just by telling people, but he lived with them. So this is what Jesus did. Jesus came and walked with these disciples, right? And so this is what happened over time. I think the kingdom starts to rub off on us, right? We see it in Jesus. It's not just his teaching, but his way of life. Where are we going to get that now? Why am I sharing this as a clarifying message for the mission of LGM? Because I think where we get that is from Christians. You're like, Pastor Steve, why are you saying it like that? Because what a Christian is supposed to be, we're supposed to be a little Christ. That's what it means. You're a little Christ, a Christian. And what we need in the church, friends, it's not just... Sound teaching. Sound teaching is good. Don't get me wrong. But you could get that at seminary. Why do you need a community? Why is fellowship such a central part? Kononia, being with other Christ followers, with other Christians. I think it's one of the things we're missing in the church is that there are so few people now who resemble Christ and who are living in that kingdom reality who just know in every fiber of their being, they're living out that reality that God is their king and their father. They don't need to be worried, right? They don't need to manipulate or hustle or make things happen. The outcomes are certain. All they got to do is be faithful. That's it, right? And so they live at a different speed. They don't need to rush and hurry and be like all worried. They're just, this is quiet confidence. Where are we going to get that? Where we're supposed to get that is in the church, there's supposed to be church mothers and fathers who for decades have been walking with Christ and have been learning the ways of the kingdom and it's a part of them. And then, you, you know, they hang out with some of the younger people, maybe with some of the parents who, who are a little bit younger and they're still raising their kids and they're still worried and anxious about all these things, but they look at these older church mothers and fathers and their way of being and they're just... They're not worried, right? They're at peace. They know that God is in control. They know that God loves them. They know that they are children of God. And then you're like, oh, word, like I don't need to be so worried, 
right? It starts to rub off on you. You start to believe that yourself. It starts to become a part of you. And then you got some people who are a little bit younger. Maybe there's some like young adults who just graduated from college. They're like, oh my gosh, you know, where, where am I going to get a job? What am I going to do? What am I going to do in the future? And they look at some of these a little bit older, a little further down the line. And, and, and they have this quiet confidence in the Lord. They're not, they haven't completely arrived, but some of that Christiness is starting to rub off on them a little bit right? And then it, it trickles down, right? And so then you got the people who are in college and they're still worried about their grades and they look at the young adults and then you got the people in college and then the people in high school look at them, right? And we have this mirroring of the kingdom of God that just echoes through generations. That was supposed to be the church. That's the way the church was. Now church is a show. Church is a place where we go, we hear three songs, sermon, and then we leave. And we get no mirroring. We get no mentoring. We get none of the koinonia where we start rubbing off on each other. And that's not, I don't think, as far as I understand it, Christ's vision for the church. And so, friends, for me, I've realized at different points in my life, I don't have that kingdom of God within me. Not all the time. And so my primary mission has become as it says in Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his rightness, his way of being. If the kingdom of God were living within you, if Jesus, the spirit of Christ, was living within you, you would be right. Your life would be right, right? Your nervous system would be right. Your temper would be right. You would be, have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control as the fruit of the spirit just pouring out of your soul, right? That's what we need. That's my mission in life, primarily, first and foremost, because how are we going to get the people who model and mirror this to other people if none of them exist in the church in the first place? We're not perfect, but that's going to be job number one. All of us, we got to seek the kingdom, and then we need to become a community that is contagious with kingdom righteousness, that people see some of the people and they get a vision for how life can be. Because it's one thing for someone to just tell you, hey, kingdom of God, it's good. And you're like, okay, well, <laughs> I hear so many things are good. You know, you know what I also hear is good is money, right? I hear that's really good, you know? But friends, you need to get a vision, right? Because when you look at the world, what the world is offering you, all the treasure of this world, at the end of the day, if you look beyond the glitz, beyond the advertisements, if you really look you're going to see the cracks. It does not satisfy. It does not fulfill. It does not give you the good life. It does not give you ultimate satisfaction and fulfillment. This world can never give that to you. Money can never give that to you. All money can give you is a, just a faint thrill. That's it. A faint thrill. A couple days. <laughs> 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Oh, I got a new thing. And then it starts to become old almost instantly. And then you need something else. Right? Right? Well, what is not going to fade is the kingdom of God within you. And when you start to get a vision for that, I shared last week, one of the ways that we can do this is read about the lives of the saints, of people who have been living this radically different way. Don't just look at the people who are on TV or on YouTube who have the books and the publishing things, but 
the saints who've been living with the Lord for decades. Some of those people are unsung. Some of those people are at the churches you grew up with. That little grandma who just serves. That person who just doesn't want any credit, but is just so kind. And their love just pours out of everything that they do. Look at them and get a vision for what kingdom life can be. And if you have that, friends, then maybe we can really start to learn. Right? Maybe you can say, hey, I want to hang out with you because I want some of that to rub off on me. I want to learn from you. That's church. I want that to be church. And we share, friends. We share for real. We don't just share the good stuff. We don't just clean it up and sanitize it and make it sound good. That's what the Pharisees did. The Pharisees were really good at just cleaning up life. You know, being like, oh, yeah, you know, I fasted so many times this week. This is how much scripture I memorized. You know, look at how good I am. Praise God. Right? That's what the Pharisees would do. But the community of Christ was broken people. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You don't need anything. You don't need to be filled up spiritually. Come as you are. Come as you are. The kingdom of God can be yours. If what? you're willing to receive it, right? And, and I know, I, I wasn't trying to say that word wasn't important. You need faith. You need trust. And you need surrender. Because by the way, the way most of us are living, and this is why, I think, friends, this is just Pastor Steve's theory, right? Why have we made the kingdom of God something that happens after you die? Almost every message that I heard, at least, growing up about the kingdom of God is we just called it heaven, right? We're like, yeah, heaven after you die, right? That wasn't Jesus' central message, right? Did we not get, right, that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? But no, we didn't believe it for a second. We're like, no, 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 no. We don't want the kingdom of God here. We want it after we die. You know why? Because we want our kingdom. Because we want to be king. We want to be in control. And the only way to get this kingdom is humility and surrender. You got to give it up. You've got to learn to let go. And one of the best ways, I think, to learn how to do that is to see other people who have learned to do it first. And to see other people who are learning to do it and struggling with it. And so you can be like, okay, I'm not alone in this, right? I'm not the only one who struggles to surrender, to surrender my ego, to surrender my ambition, to surrender what I want to do in every given moment. Because, friends, I think that's what America is, right? American, American freedom is you get to do whatever you want whenever you feel like it. And we think it's this God-given right. But really what God wants is he wants to be your king. We need to learn to give him control. And there's no better, more peaceful, more love-filled life. So, Hadam, could, could you come up? I just want to, man, I, I, I just want this so much for our community. Friends, and I share this as someone who's not perfect. So again, you know, first one was we're seeking, right? We need to seek the kingdom. And sometimes I get lost. Sometimes I forget. Sometimes church becomes about something else, right? And that's why we need to repent. And maybe for some of you, you're hearing this message and you're like, yeah, Pastor Steve, I get it, but I do recognize that maybe I've started to build my life and faith on something else. And maybe really I've used faith kind of like as this adjacent to the life that I want. Instead of really making it about the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of Steve, not the kingdom of Bob, not the kingdom of Susan, but the kingdom of God. 
Friends, maybe we can just take a moment and just let that message sink in. Have you gotten a glimpse of what that can look like when it's living within a person? Because it can sound abstract, right? Until we look at Jesus. We look how he loved. We look at how he didn't worry. We look at how he lived with so much freedom and joy, how he lived in community with others, how he wasn't afraid to serve and to give of himself. And we see that, friends, and I don't know about you, but I want that. I want to be a little Christ in this world. I want to live in a community of people who are learning to be little Christ. I want that to be the kind of contagious community where that love and goodness and that peace and that joy, it's just contagious. Do you want that? Do you want that? Can we pray for that? Can we welcome that? Can we dream about that? Lord, we thank you, God, for giving us a vision of what the church can be, that we can be a contagious, contagious community of your kingdom righteousness, Lord. We desire that. Thank you for sending your son to not just proclaim a message, to not just speak words to us, but to come and be with us, to come and live with us, for his life to rub off on us, for us to learn uh, and be mirrored by the life that he's showing us, for your spirit now to want to live within us if we could surrender, if we could believe, if we could trust in what you are desiring to do. We thank you, God. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.